the Joe Rogan experience took six years to put their first ad out there and start monetizing. It takes a long time and that's okay. And if you set yourself up for the journey piece of it, you're in a good place when eventually that day strikes. What's up, Danny? Welcome to the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on to this. I wanted to start off, how did you get into marketing and how did you get into podcasting? So marketing and podcasting is two different things for me personally. Marketing has always been something that I've been interested in ever since I was a little kid. And the reason for that is I've always been interested in psychology and business. If you're interested in psychology, you're interested in how people think, why they make certain decisions, and how you can influence those decisions to create a a result that is beneficial for you and the other person. And so that love of mine started very early on, like as, as soon as I could begin reading or really interested in nonfiction books, which was probably like sixth, seventh grade. Like I remember reading The Game by Neil Strauss in like sixth or seventh grade. That's just a marketing book disguised as a dating book. But my podcast in general started in September of 2020 when I had a bunch of different phone conversations with people through Twitter. There was about 7,000 people who followed me. And I was wondering, why do these people follow me? Why do they care? I'd done some e-commerce stuff in the past. And so I was kind of curious about these people. And I, I ended up having such great conversations with them on the phone that I said, why don't I just record this? And those recordings eventually turned into the podcast. And some 248 episodes later, we are sitting here talking today. 248, I have to commend you from that because like most podcasts that don't even make it to episode 10 rather than episode 100. And then you're basically 20Xing everybody who really podcasts. So commend you for that. You're doing some interesting stuff with your podcast right now with repurposing episodes on TikTok and repurposing them on other platforms. I want to you to walk me through like, how do you think about the creation of a podcast? And then how do you think about chopping up videos that are easily to consume on different platforms like TikTok and Twitter and other platforms? What's funny is that I started my podcast as an audio only podcast for about 35 episodes. And eventually, three months in, I landed Gary Vaynerchuk as a guest. And I said, oh, well, I want more people to watch and consume this content. So it would make sense for it to be video as well. And I wasn't doing any repurposing in the first three months, let alone the first year or the first year and a half, really. And I said to myself, and I constantly asked myself the question of how can I make this more consumable and more digestible for people? And so what started out as an audio podcast eventually became a video podcast. And that eventually became uh, creating little highlights and timestamps on YouTube. And after that, then it became, let me post these into clips. So I'm now two years into the journey of building this podcast. And it's only on the 23rd month that I realize the enormous impact that short form content could have on my podcast. So if, if somebody's listening to this a year into their podcast or, or three years and they're not doing what I'm doing, like just know that it came from me iterating constantly and trying to get better. But my strategy is basically this. How can I take a huge episode of an hour or two hours and condense it down into 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 50 seconds to something that people can really 
internalize. And I've just tried to go up and look into the episode and think about what's going to make a moment here? What's going to be something that somebody could share? And what's a community that I could tap into that somebody who's never heard of me in that community could say, oh, that's an interesting question or that's an interesting answer. Let me learn more about that. And I think so often people have these specific podcasts in these specific niches that they want to tackle. And for example, marketing, right? So you could say, okay, I'm going to only do marketing clips, but what if we talk about giraffes and there's an interesting thing that I say about giraffes. Well, if you chop that up into a short form piece of of giraffe content, now there might be people who are interested in giraffes and marketing who you can tap into and you can get their eyes of like, well, I've never heard of this podcast. Why not? What's going on? Oh, it's a marketing podcast. They just talked about giraffes one time. I think a lot of people are scared to go outside their niche or their thing. And I think that all the juice is actually found talking about giraffes. So yeah, that's a little two cents about the strategy. I'm happy to dive into any of it. Did you start formatting the show differently to get these clips out or has it just been organically getting the clips out? It's been pretty organic. And the thing is, I never want to be in the position where I'm like, okay, this is just the show that is going to give you some hot takes or hot clips or whatever. Like, I just want to have an organic connection and conversation with somebody. And if it leads to clips, great. If it doesn't, also great. I don't structure my whole life around the clips, but I also have noticed that while I'm in the conversation now, I'm noticing, oh, that's a clip. That's something that I could do. And so, yeah, I try to keep it organic is to answer your question. I think it's great to have an organic conversation. I think there are very, some people I really know when they're an interviewee, know how to set up a question and make it a clip, which is just a skill on its own where they, they repeat the question and then go into this one, two, three step thing. It's pretty, it's amazing how people could do that. But I like that yours just comes from organically thinking about it. How do you think about, is it more of a taste thing, like a feel thing, or how do you know what clips are going to work on social versus not work on social? I've done myself now, probably clipped up hundreds like probably around 500 clips myself and I've consumed a year's worth of TikTok content in general. So it's pretty fascinating to see how I have an eye for this sort of thing where, you know, one woman, I just had it on the podcast, Taylor Bell, and she posted an Instagram story of this cute video of this guy. She was in her New York City apartment and one of the workers, the construction workers was coming up on an elevator type thing where he was outside the building and they had a cute little interaction where he gives a peace sign and it's probably like a five second video. And she put that on her Instagram story. I said to her, you should definitely put this on TikTok. And she said, oh, that's interesting. Like maybe I will. She did. And it has a 1.5 million views. This was a piece of content that could have just existed on her Instagram story forever, but now it became something where more people figured out about who she was. And I bring that up to highlight my eye for the content has gotten pretty good in the sense of, all right, that's a clip, that's a video. And one thing I've noticed is story. Like that, what I just described about that video, that's a story about two people connecting in a moment in five seconds that somebody could say, oh, I relate to this or, oh, this is cute or, oh, this is interesting. And so I'm always looking for where's the story in that video and also where's the community in that story that could connect with it. 
if it doesn't have a story and it doesn't have a community, then what I've experienced is it's harder for that clip to take a foothold because the community is really what's going to push that story. And you're involved in so many different communities right now. We don't even think of ourselves as part of communities. Like you're part of the mad happy community I see on your your hat. You're part of, was that a Coachella t-shirt? Yeah. It's like if those are things that pop up in your feed or if those are videos, you're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. And you're going to give it more of a chance because you're in that community to begin with. Yeah, I also think you brought up a really good point that I think a lot of people don't think about is you said before you even started posting that you consumed TikTok content for a year. And I think yeah. one thing that people don't realize is the consumption part of any platform is so key of how to learn how it works. And I bet you did the same thing with podcasting too, before you started podcasting, you consumed a lot of podcasting content. It's if you start consuming what it just becomes this instinct because you've been, you know, and you could put two pieces of puzzle together, but I think a lot of people just think, okay, I'm going to create TikTok content, but I haven't spent hours on TikTok and then they think it doesn't work. I think what you've been doing is spending hours on TikTok and now you're realizing, oh shoot, this podcast clip that I I have been thinking about for a while could have been a TikTok clip. Let me go drop that up now. It's because you've been consuming. Otherwise if you didn't know how things worked on TikTok, you probably never would have gone and posted that there. It's similar to going to a party and having context for the people who are attending versus going to a party without knowing anyone or any context. If you try to start speaking at that party where you don't know anyone, people are going to be like, dude, what are you saying? Like, why are you saying it? it this isn't important. But if you go to the party and you know everyone at the party and you're, you have context for all parties involved, you then say the thing that's appropriate in the moment. And it's so important whenever you're creating in a new place to have context for the people who are consuming the message. And it helps if you yourself are one of the consumers. What's a, a challenge you think for repurposing content and creating content on these platforms? So what are some challenges that you've been experiencing or seeing while you've been learning how to repurpose? One of the challenges is that you don't want to judge the results based on the results. You want to judge the result based on your own output. It's easy to say, okay, the videos that I posted this week got less views than the videos that I normally post. And you could, you could say, well, is it because you posted less videos or is it because of a different reason? And I think I found success when I've said, okay, I'm going to post 10 videos a day or, and I hit that. That's the win, not the million views. And so to separate the action you're doing and reward yourself for the action you're doing versus the action you receive from other people, it's not valuable because necessarily because a lot of people are looking at it. It's valuable because you did the work. And if you do the work for long enough and continue to try to improve on it, you will get better and more people will see it. So I think that's an important piece and an important challenge to overcome is not to get too sucked into the views or the external metrics, the followers, which are 
what eventually will give you all the success and people will be like, how'd you do that? But really it's the work of showing up and posting that is is the difficult thing to do and separating those in your head. So that's one of the, been the biggest challenges for sure. It's funny because I think you probably got a little bit of that from podcasting because podcasting the first, my first, let's say 60 episodes were not getting, we're getting downloads, but not, it didn't really go that far, but I didn't say after the first 10 where I was getting not that many downloads. Let me just scrap this whole project because it's, it's more the journey, the story that you're trying to tell. And for me, I try to separate the purpose of why I'm doing it versus the actual of doing it. So for example, for me, I'm, I want to get content out there for the most amount of marketers. I also want to have great conversations with great people. So if I came out of there with a great conversation and then I also came out of it where like one person thought that was a great episode, then it's a success to me. Obviously numbers start mattering when you start having to monetize things, which that's where like people lose themselves a little bit. But I think that's why I always say like set up the journey first before you start monetizing, because then you can just be your true self the whole time when monetizing starts happening. The Joe Rogan experience took six years to put their first ad out there and start monetizing. So it's like, it takes a long time and that's okay. And if you set yourself up for the journey piece of it, you're in a good place when eventually that day strikes. What is a a marketing hill you would die on? That quantity leads to quality. I've posted in the last month 300 plus, 400 plus pieces of short form content. From that, a lot of people might think, nah, that's too much. That's crazy. It's a lot more than people can ever consume. Why are you posting that much? You're going to People are going to get fatigued from you. They're not going to be interested. For me, how I look at it is, one, that's 300 or 400 different different pieces of content that I can now judge. And I can say, which ones did the best? Why do they do the best? Two, people who are really interested in you want to see you more. And three, every one of those is a different connection point to me and to my podcast. And so... I am a huge believer in quantity leading to quality because then you could figure out what's good. You could figure out why it's good. And I don't think that people get fatigued if you're on it, really YouTube. I post 10 times a day. TikTok, try to do at least 10 times a day. And Twitter, it's like I saw my most success when I was tweeting a lot. And so I'm a big fan of, of quantity leading to quality. What about you? What's a marketing hill you would die on? I, I mean, I love that. I love the, I mean, just going on to what you said and then I'll give you my marketing heel. But I think what you just said is, I mean, just coming from a sports background, you need to have those at-bats or you need to have those workouts to be able to put yourself in a situation where when the time comes, you have do that great clip or you have that successful TikTok. Sometimes it's that first, you can get strike gold the first time but you need to have those at bats to do things and the marketing hill i have so many marketing hills that i would die on which is which is funny but i think i truly believe that there's two things that i would say one 
there's a huge opportunity for B2B companies to dominate social media because not a lot of people are doing it correctly. The reason I say that is a lot of B2B companies go to this playbook that it's me, 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 I need to post my content. But there's so many like good stories behind the scenes. Say if you're, you're selling to plumbers, you could do, totally do create media and social clips selling to plumbers, your software to plumbers. Or if you're selling to marketers, you could do you could post so many things just to create a great marketing community. But I think a lot of people look at the the short-term benefits versus the long-term benefits. So that's one big hill I would die on for that. And then another hill I would die on in, in the B2B space is that every company is a media company, whether they like it or not. And the way to counteract and balance out like acquisition costs for everything is creating a sustainable owned audience that you could do an owned audience, not only meaning like an email list, I mean, creating a podcast, creating a, a social presence where you, you can put out a post and you know that some sort of thing will drive traffic to lower the baseline of paid. So many people just do paid stuff versus like earned stuff. And as cost rises and demand rises there, you have an opportunity to capture this whole market that people aren't doing very well. So it's all along the sides of this organic space that people are just not investing on because they don't want to play the long game. Um, mm. This hills that I would die on just because I've seen it for myself, how it worked and it didn't work in two months, but it worked over a year and a half that of just posting and, doing things and trying things. Um, but a lot of companies don't want to take that risk. In order to build brand, it takes a decade. It could take a decade to really like solidify yourself as a good reputation, as a good player in somebody's mind. This is true even for podcasters in general, right? It's like Tim Ferriss has been doing it for eight years. And before that, he had different uh, books and was a writer. Joe Rogan, 12 years as a podcaster. And it's like you see people who are starting to win, like Chris Williamson as a podcaster. It's like it's taking him five years to get known, liked, trusted, and respected enough to be on Joe Rogan. Five years. So I think that all goes to show that like if you're just starting out a brand, if you're just starting out something and you want to have earned media, you need to have trust with people. And trust with people takes time. So yeah, I think that those are great points on your part. Yeah, and I also think the reason it is called earned media, you have to earn the trust of, of, of people. And trust building takes a lot of time to do and a lot of efforts and a lot of, and also like B2B, a lot of it comes down to having expertise and showing that you, you're willing to put out things that are great for other people. So another thing I want to ask you is, I know it's tough to predict the future, but what is a, a trend that you're seeing now that most people aren't jumping on that should jump on? Something that I knew for a long time that I didn't jump on was TikTok and YouTube Shorts as platforms and the future of media consumption. And if you just think about it, like you see it, you're like, okay, that, that seems like something that's worthwhile to invest in, invest my time in, invest how to learn how to do it but I'm not actually going to do it. And then 
I was said that for a little more and I said that for a little more. And finally I was like, all right, I'm just going to double down and I'm just going to go really hard on it. And that is part of the reason why I'm talking to you right now is because I decided to go really hard on it. I think that people see short form as a fad in the same way that people probably thought YouTube was a fad in the same way people probably thought Instagram was a fad. And I actually think that's the fabric of our reality. That's the most shared content in the world. That's the content that goes the furthest because it's the most digestible for the consumer. I think every brand should invest in figuring out how to do short form content because eventually they're going to have to regardless of whether or not they want to in this moment or not because it's best for the consumer. I also think in the age of information, I I don't believe the notion of attention spans because for example, like I just watched like House of Dragons last night and had had an hour of my attention. So if the content is good, people listen to Joe Rogan's podcast for two hours. So I don't, but, but I do believe the notion that like you have to earn the right to have that attention for that long time. So you need that short form to earn attention for people to want to consume longer forms of your content. My own journey with Joe Rogan is that I watched clips of his for maybe two years, maybe three years before I ever gave him my full length attention for multiple hours. Because why should I trust this guy? I've seen him on Fear Factor as a a host. And I know he's a comedian, but like, why should I actually trust him? And that whole process for me took two years. And so I'm saying to myself, okay, I've been podcasting for two years. If everybody started their journey of Danny Miranda and their their consumption and knowledge of Danny Miranda back when I started, well, then they'd be at the point where I'm at now in the podcast journey of like finally giving me a chance. And so I expect this to take a long time for my own podcasting journey. But to my point, it's like, and to yours, you need to earn the ability to sit down with something. For you, for that TV show, why did you start watching it? Yeah, I mean, there's two things. I mean, I watched Game of Thrones, so Game of Thrones, but also like Game of Thrones didn't take, took me a while for me to gain my attention because it had to be a couple people telling me about it and then seeing people talk about it online. Then it's like, okay, now it's on my attention that so many people, like the social proof told me that I should do it. So it wasn't like Game of Thrones just came on, but also like, if someone's really good at advertising, they, they do this all the time. These short are basically short form clips of a, a movie or a show. If you do it very well, like you'll catch, like movies do this all the time. You'll catch my attention if you do that really well in a, a minute version. So it's either someone telling me that it's, it's great or I seen multiple people talk about, it, or I've seen a clip of something that I, I know it, it never is just like, Oh, I'm going to go turn on a show without someone telling me about it or, seeing a clip of it beforehand. Exactly. Yeah. So it's the very social proof type type thing. And it's also very like, if you're good at short form and getting clips highlights, very great into, I mean, the, the short term thing has been around forever. People are doing, being doing commercials and movie commercials for years. Like how do you think people got people to go to movies? It's, it wasn't those people telling them that you had to get, the first couple people in the door to actually tell them like, this is a movie that I want to see. So it all started with those short-term clips that people 
gain trust. But it was impossible for the average person to create media themselves and to make a short form clip. You needed a big production office to make those short form clips into commercials to get people interested. And now anybody can do it. And I don't think we really grasp of what that means. The fact that me, myself, alone in a bedroom could just create a hundred clips a day. Like, what does that mean? It's going to change society. It is changing society already. And it's really cool. What people don't understand is movies. And I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about like authors and producers. They have this, a lot of imposter syndrome because they don't, they don't get the, the ability to have at bats, like short form content people do. Because you, you create a, write a long book, for example. And how many long form books could you produce in, in a lifetime? Like, just think about it, like maybe a hundred. You only get a hundred at, at bats to do that. The short form content you could put out, you could do a hundred a day and refine that skill and try it today. So that's why you, the short form content is the best way to just improve your skills of doing it and get to scale faster because you get those at bats where like authors don't get those at bats, movie producers don't get those at bats, um, longer form content don't get that. Yes, but with the author piece, I think it's just about having more creativity as an author to do the short form, right? So here are a couple of examples that an author could do to get their long piece, their magnum opus of a book into more hands. One of them is tweets, right? An author could tweet the most interesting bits of the book, make them into threads, make them into short form tweets, and those themselves could be shared into different communities in different places. Two, the second one is the author could literally read the book and different sections of the book. Literally each TikTok could be a paragraph itself. And then the author could create from their long piece of work, hundreds or thousands of short form clips. So our initial inclination is with longer form pieces, oh, that can't be broken up. But normally what I think of is that just needs more creativity to be broken up. Yeah, I'm not talking about breaking up. I think long form is like the foundation of short form. You write, you do a pod, for example, a two-hour podcast, that's a foundation of a, a thousand, a hundred clips right there. I'm saying more like to f- go right from start to finish a book and actually you have the experience of like writing like a whole story. It takes two years to a year for some people to do that. Where like short form clips right now or like podcasts or things where you could do like quickly without like high production, high, high amount of thought, how amount of time you get to greatness faster, not saying like authors, but like some of the best authors don't write second books because they just had that experience and just couldn't, they couldn't prove out the model multiple times fast enough. Um, but I do agree that uh, this, I don't know why the shit authors and movies and all these people should be putting out short form versions of their book to repurpose. And they, there's a tons of opportunity because they have 300 pages of content that should be out. Tim Ferriss is a great example of that. I mean, uh, he turns a podcast into a book. So he knows the game. And also on that point of stand-up comedians, they are deal with the same similar thing, but they've turned to podcasts as well because they realize they can just be funny in normal settings and those could be clips, right? Because a stand-up comedian has to 
hone their act on stage for two years in order to have a special out. But if they have podcasts, they can be funny in the podcast and create a bunch of clips that way so that their standup isn't impacted. I mean, just the internet has opened up so much opportunity with like people could be funny on TikTok now and explode. You see some even those comedians that are the younger comedians and some other older comedians that have blown up their comedy career just because they were funny on TikTok for a year. And now they're comedians like on stage with tours around the country. Who is inspiring you in marketing space, podcasting space? Who do you look to for inspiration? Yeah, so I'll bring up four names, uh, three of which I believe I've already mentioned in this podcast. I'll lead with the person the least amount of people will have known, and that's Chris Williamson. Chris Williamson, if you listen to me on another podcast, probably I mentioned his name because he has been an indie creator, indie podcaster who has crushed it. He has deep, thoughtful conversations. He's great at short form clips. He's also great at just speaking eloquently and making his point. So he's somebody I look to who is a, a few years ahead of me on his own journey. Another Joe Rogan, he's also taken long clips and long two hour, three hour episodes and shortened them into YouTube videos of seven minutes, 10 minutes, which I started watching and how I got into his podcast to begin with. Tim Ferriss, not really from a marketing standpoint, but just a, a podcasting and thoughtfulness standpoint has really inspired me. And Gary Vaynerchuk for his ability to be 46 years old, but still on the cutting edge of everything. He is the reason at the core that I, I started really going hard on TikTok. And he is somebody who I've looked up to immensely for more than 10 years because of his ability to market and communicate to many, many people at scale. All of those are great inspiration. I mean, Gary V is the reason I started like LinkedIn. So nice, uh, just because he was saying that it was underpriced attention. But also, I think what I always say to people is like, "Is podcast might not be your medium, but go to a medium where you could start off that you're something good at." For me, at first, writing was a better medium. For me, podcasting was just more for me to just be uncomfortable doing something mm. that I, um, but if I didn't hone in my thoughts of writing, I think I would have been a, a, a worse podcaster. The last question I have for you is, uh, if someone came to you right now and you would give them advice, what would that piece of advice be that they would come back to you five years later and thank you for? Probably to start posting five, pieces of TikToks that are organic to TikTok a day, I would have a hard belief that if anybody did that consistently over just a year, they wouldn't see tremendous results as well as over the next three years. So yeah, just post short form content consistently daily and do it more than once. You need more than one tweet to actually hit it. You need more than one TikTok a day. You need more than one YouTube video a day. I mean, you could have one a very high quality piece of content, similar to Tim Chisano, who crushes it with just one piece. But give yourself more at bats, especially if you're just starting out. Try to post five a day and see what happens. And I'll, I'll likely be receiving a message from somebody who who heard this about that in five years from now. So it's so funny because I always 
people just don't want to invest in the journey uh, of the the year or two. I think if I would have even told myself a year and a half ago, two years ago, I started posting on LinkedIn two two and a half years ago. If I told myself now two and a half years that I would be where I was, I, I would say that's a, probably not true. We often place limits on ourselves so much, but we don't just do the work and just let it go and just see what happens. And so I think that's just such an important point. Don't place limits on yourself because you don't know where you could end up. Yeah, and I think just coming from both of us who have been, you've put out 243 episodes, which is incredible. For anybody who knows podcasting, that's just a hard feat to do. Um, and then for posting daily on on a, a TikTok, that's a hard thing to do. It just, you have to really get in the mentality that step away from the day-by-day results and think about why you're doing this and that it's getting you better at a certain skill or the outcomes that is that are happening from it, not numbers-wise, but how you're growing as a person or how your life has been impacted as a person instead of letting the algorithm tell you that you're doing great or not great. Um, you should listen to the algorithm, though, because you, that will help you put out better content. But I'm talking about more the day-by-day algorithm stuff. You should And also your- not to judge yourself about the algorithm giving you love or not, right? Don't judge yourself for that. Just look at it as a objective piece of feedback. That's a better way of putting it because for me, it's more, I look at the algorithm as a sense of, okay, this content was good or not good. Some more people liked it. This got pushed out to more people. There's something there more than looking at it as, oh, great. I just got 20K views or 100k likes or i'm just spitting on numbers but i don't look at the likes it's more that oh there's something there that i could double down and talk more on because that is just giving me signal if i'm interested in it absolutely exactly uh well lastly is where could people find you where could people find your stuff it's the danny miranda podcast uh it's probably the best place to check me out and if you have any thoughts about this episode or or just the podcast in general, tweet me at Hey Danny Miranda or send me a message there. I would love to connect with other people who are thinking about marketing or just interested in the topics we talked about or anything else. Sounds great. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.